Listener Production. The creators of this podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which it is recorded. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are the first storytellers of this land. We pay respect to their elders, past, present and emerging, as well as any Indigenous people who may be listening today. Have relax, this is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I am William James Anderson. Hello, and thank you for watching. And we just had a close to 20-minute conversation before we even started. Which I think is the longest, longest unrecorded conversation <laughs> we've had, we've had in since about the last 10 years. <laughs> I know. I kept sort of like my, my, my left hand was twitching because I'm like, do I keep going? The roadcaster? What's going on? It was officially the TOEFOP annual general meeting, basically. <laughs> like, basically, is what happened accidentally there when we tuned in and when we just started talking about a few small agenda items, which blossomed into a full-blown agenda with minutes and, <laughs> like, <laughs> covered covered the whole business. I know. It was really, it was an unexpected, in true TOEFOP yeah. fashion, we don't put our, uh, our, our uh, biannual agenda in, in getting the calendar, we just fucking start it randomly. You're just going to be just prepared happened. at any time. It's just su- surprise meeting, yeah. TOEFOP. <laughs> hey, I um, I took your advice oh. and, and I watched Jury Duty and I've started watching oh, yes. Mrs. Davis. Great. Um, I've completed right. Jury Good. Jury. I'm um, up to episode Jury Jury. jury. <laughs> jury. Which is where they judge Jamie, Jamie Jury. jury. <laughs> For crimes jury against jury. gardening. Jury Jury. <laughs> he gets judged uh, by uh, uh, he, get, he, get, he gets judged by uh, plants, not not his peers, just a, a jury made of plants. Just, uh, well, no, half, half a row of plants and half a row of uh, male dancers. <laughs> Because <laughs> you've got to choose your peers, so it makes sense. There's the stripper element, and then there is the landscape garden element. Yeah. Both parts of his life are reflected in the jury pool. I think that's good for jury jury. Uh, man, I did not realise how much I was going to love jury duty. I sort of saw the trailer for it and I was like, oh, I don't know about this, but I fucking loved it. Like, I loved it. For uh, people who haven't seen it, it is essentially- Spoilers. Spoilers, 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 spoilers. There is no way for us to talk about how this show is good. It's been out for a while now, but there is no way for us to talk about how much fun this show is without at least giving away part of the joy of the show. So if you really want to watch the show and you don't want it spoiled, go and watch it now. It's only like seven or eight episodes. They're all pretty short. It's like, so easy you can to watch. watch it all now, come back. It's yeah. so easily digestible. But it but, is. Yeah, tell me. Tell me about <laughs> okay. it. Because I, I was like – so I'm like you. I'm going into this going, I know what the premise is, that like one guy doesn't know that he's like on a fake jury. Mm. He thinks he's on a real jury. He's and been told like, so that every, he's taking part in a documentary yeah. that is documentary like about what it's like to be on a jury. But everybody else in the show is an actor, and um, it, and yeah, so it's the Truman Show, it's Joe Schmo, yeah. it's like any of well, those. Well, that's the first thing I'll say. Is it to me? It yeah. felt like a dated TV concept. I'm like, me too. Oh, I was like, why are they doing this? Like yeah, two thousands. Why are we bringing this back? But there is a sophistication to the writing and the direction. And then I think there's also a bit of kismet where the guy they've chosen and the story that followed that, that unfolds. Apparently they had 
hundreds of applications for this television show. And so they had a lot of people to choose from, but he, because I've read a lot about this since, and um, there's a lovely little bit at the end, I'm skipping right to the end, but where they reveal the behind the scenes, no. you know, how yeah. it was all working and, and you know, how they actually were, like, you know, what the control room looked like and, you know, how the whole operation was being conducted. And it's just fascinating. And I was so fascinated by that. By that, that I was like, I want to know more yes, about how they you made and I this. Did, and- had exactly the same journey. Like, <laughs> I watched that last episode, then was immediately went to any interview yeah. I could find about it, and just trying to wrap my head around the logistics of what they. And so up. the the toughest thing about it for me, and I think this is just why I've skipped to the end to say this up front is the thing that makes this work. Um, there is like a key factor that makes it work, which is the casting of this guy who is at the heart of this thing. And we'll get to all that. But the other thing that made it work is that they were willing to film hours and hours and hours of really boring actual legal court jury things because the way that – like when you see it edited together in the show, you kind of start to think like if I, all those things happened to me in a row – eventually I might, you know, cotton on to the fact that like I am part of some sort of prank. But what they did was buried the ridiculous stuff deep in the middle of all this serious stuff. And the fact that they were willing to put in that they didn't cut that corner. You can imagine another production would have cut that corner. And if they had, it would have ruined the entire conceit of the show. Because it's all about relationships and human interaction and compassion and all this kind of stuff. Like it sounds ridiculous because you hear the concept and you're like, it's a prank show. But the way they cast it, I mean, there's little elements where I'm like, oh, that feels a bit like, you know, over the top or it's a bit hammy or whatever. But I think casting is pretty amazing and the restraint of the performers to know when to push it and when to pull back is phenomenal. Like James Marsden like I, you know, I like James Marsden. He's fine, but this is an incredible performance, an incredible, self-aware, fearless performance. Like he basically plays a douchebag Hollywood prick version of himself. Yeah, so it's very important that he's not playing a character. He's playing for the, for the purposes of this. James Marsden, the actor, has been called to jury duty. Yeah, that's the, the and concern. James Marsden, the actor does not want to be on this jury and then like but he's just a larger version. <laughs> it sets up the paparazzi so he'll get dismissed, but the opposite happens. <laughs> I mean it's incredible. You know, like I because his performance I think is the toughest performance in the entire show because like that's the one that if he got it wrong tonally, you could reveal what was going on. But he does this pick pitch perfect caricature of what that Hollywood <laughs> asshole would be like in that situation. That is just so wonderful and believable and like hilarious. Like it didn't surprise me to learn that some of the people behind it had made obviously, you know, proper documentaries, these sort of thing. But there was also people from the office mm. and, you know, well, that's like what people it felt who like, understood. didn't it? Like yeah. the office, like yeah. it had the same, you know, obviously because the mock documentary and all that kind of stuff. But there was – that compassion, you know, for like it, it was never cruel to him. Like it put him in fucking bizarre situations, but he was never the subject of the joke. 
you know, it was always these weirdos well, around The him. funny thing is, though, that, like, sometimes they had put things in that was meant to irritate him. So there's this particular scene where they're sharing, like, they're in a hotel, they're sequestered, this jury in a hotel, uh, and, like, they put him next door to this guy who was meant to kind of, like, annoy him, you know, essentially, and he was just really lovely to him and befriended yeah. him and encouraged, <laughs> encouraged him and him. it was this quite like he's, nervous he's character and he's pants, really trying to those pants open him up. Legs on them. It's just <laughs> like <laughs> I know. It's amazing. Like and they really there's some like cartoonish moments like he he and James Marston are running lines in his room and he steps out for a bit when he comes back, James Marsden tells him the toilet's broken and when he goes in there's like a like a two-foot turd and like dirty toilet paper which the production team had set while the guy was out of the room and he's just so cool about it. Like doesn't make a fuss about it, you know, just kind of like the fun up there. He's just he's got the most sort of well, this is what's happening. Like he's got a because there's a, there's moments within where he probably doesn't act in a way that is entirely ethical that that you would want from a jury member. Yeah. All right. Well, he does his own investigations. And look, you know, there's jury members like allegedly having affairs with each other and all this sort of stuff that he because um, they make him the convener convener of the jury, like the, the, the foreman, head person, foreman. or the four the four person. Foreman. Of the jury. <laughs> The foreman. The four person. The four person. The four skin of the jury. <laughs> and, and so he has to manage all these relationships of the people who are on the jury. And and these characters are just like again, when you describe the highlights, it just sounds ridiculous but the fact that they were willing to bury like i mean when he's playing there's that uh asian jury member yeah. who he's got playing gambling game problem. with and he's got a gambling problem this guy and he loses all this money to our hero and our hero is just absolutely $2, cool about it, like, I believe it is. It's, he loses two thousand dollars in a game yeah. that he doesn't even understand like our hero doesn't understand the game. Yeah. Like the conceit is that this guy is teaching him the game, but he's constantly <laughs> losing this game through these ridiculous, you know. And so our hero is basically, oh, no, you don't have to pay me back. And this guy is just committed to the idea that it would dishonor his family <laughs> if he didn't pay yeah. back the money. And it's like, it's so funny. But that guy, like, I mean, the way that he just handled – human relationships in that show like yeah. was incredible well, like did you did, he, he might be my new role model i think it was the last episode or it was maybe it was a making of video there's a um there's a whole storyline about james marsden is waiting to get this script for this film and he's working with some hotshot director i think they kind of allude that it's quentin tarantino but they don't say quentin tarantino and so that's kind of this thread that runs through it and then he doesn't get the part and <laughs> They have a birthday party for one of the other jurors and James Marsden turns up and assumes they're throwing him a, a pity party because he didn't get the part because he's a self-involved actor. And he flips the table and it's this big scene, this big aggressive moment and storms off. And in the making of, they're monitoring the lead guy and they're like, mm -hmm. oh, he's genuinely upset. And they have like yeah. a contingency for that, which is like send James Marsden <laughs> in with another cake that he's bought to apologize. <laughs> and it's like. I mean, it's just that level of kind of planning, but also like... Well, the way that they had to pivot, there's that uh, one thing that they uh, showed where 
uh, one of the actors uh, accidentally called somebody by their mm. real name and not the you know yeah, the security name. lady. Uh, the security lady, and uh, they literally then just had to invent another four. person. What's the bailiff, she's the bailiff. Yeah, and so they well, had to, to say invent another. Is, is bail, <laughs> bailiff gender specific? Bailiffa, um, <laughs> Queen Bailiffa. <laughs> it's Queen Bailiffa. She's great. <laughs> um, so uh, I, yeah. So then they invent it. Like they have to constantly you know, be adapting the reality. And there's moments where he starts to suspect, you know, that something isn't quite right. And then in those moments, that's when they had to pull back and, you know, do a big boring day in court just to sort of, you know, make sure that he wasn't suspicious anymore. Well, how's the fact that the the dude, like they didn't anticipate how seriously he would take his job as foreman and how hard he would interrogate the facts of the case. So he starts figuring out the shit before they've planned it. So they're rewriting on the fly, trying to stay ahead of him because he's actually figuring out what happened. Trying to, well, because they, at the start, they basically, they create a scenario where he stumbles upon evidence that, you know, contradicts doesn't necessarily, yeah, yeah, contradicts where the the case seems to be going. So th- that's really clever in and of itself that you put him in this conundrum. But I mean, in highly un, like <laughs> <laughs> you just go and investigate at these places by yourself. But it kind of is one of those things where, again, like it's a long time afterwards where he realizes that the thing he's seen is the opposite of the way the rest of it is going because that unfolds. So it becomes more and more compelling that he thinks he knows this thing about the case. It's, uh, yeah. What, it's, what it's, were your the the bits that you felt were most kind of vulnerable to exposure? There was a couple for me that I'm like, are oh, there? And one was the performance, and I thought I thought the entire cast was great. So I'm just really splitting hairs, but the. The guy who plays the nerdy dude whose girlfriend he thinks he's having an affair. I think that guy, there was moments where I felt like he just leaned into it a bit too hard. It felt more performancey. Like the others, like the Chinese guy and stuff, felt like really authentic. And I just felt moments I'm like, oh, he seems like he's an actor. Like that seems like something someone from drama school would do. I agree. Yeah. I thought, and I thought that the defense yes. lawyer was. Too clumsy and too shit. Yeah. Like I thought that all the again, courtroom we probably stuff saw, was the most. We probably saw lots of others. Like they again, they probably showed lots of other stuff where he was being quite competent. Yeah. But when you clipped it all together, yeah. it, it looked like a sketch. Yeah. But also I think even the dynamic of making the defendant this kind of weasley looking dude and the uh the prosecution or what what's the the plaintiff, whatever. Um what do you call it? Oh, you watch courtroom dramas. I don't know <laughs> if that's the right terminology. What do you? If you're the person I mean, who's yeah, laying the yeah, I believe the person making the complaint is the plaintiff. The plaintiff yeah. yeah, and yeah. she was this really well groomed kind of like Real Housewives of LA. I just thought the casting of that scene, like the power imbalance and the dynamic, was a bit central casting for me. I, I thought that you could have blurred the lines between the like just the status level, just blur it a bit more. So it's. Because immediately it's a David and Goliath story, and so I would feel like you're going to flip that. But I'm saying that with the benefit of watching a TV show. I'm not in a courtroom looking at these people for the first time, so who knows? Yeah, and look, there was moments where things were like pretty out there. Like, you know, by the end, like there was some real – 
full on stuff going on and you were like, could you just, I, I, you know, okay, let me put it this way. Rather than me judging when he was, if you were in that situation. Like I was the guy. That, what would have, what, yeah, what would, do you think that you would have been taken by it in the way that he was t- taken by it? How do you think you would have reacted uh, in some of the moments they presented him with? I always give people the benefit of the doubt. So I would be yeah. so compliant with everything. I don't know that I would necessarily be as like compassionate or as understanding as him in terms of just like when they're out of the the, the jury. When I when I was in the jury, I think if I would two take it really jury seriously. members were fucking, yeah, I would. I would like if one jury member was like trying to seduce another jury member. Would you like inform someone? Yeah, no, not this as no the snitch. for. for- as the foreskin of the jury, you would, you would not do that. No, I would tell Queen Bailifa <laughs> that I didn't know what was going on. No. If one of the jurors was falling asleep all the time, that was one of yeah. my favourite moments. That yeah. gave me I paranoia because I was like, me in that situation, I'd be like, I don't want to wake her up. But at the same time, the judge has told me that I'm responsible for making sure that she's awake. I was thinking like, oh. from the actress's point of view, who's amazing, yeah. she's probably the best character by yeah. far, the most convincing. But- I was thinking about that, and it's like, well, they're sitting in a like a court, a seated court session for, for what five, six hours. If I was her, like, I've, I'm a young, well, younger actor, and I have fallen asleep, like in a scene that takes ages, and you're just in the background. Like the fact that she was able to control when she was was and was not falling asleep is amazing. Like that takes real fucking like effort. There was one thing mm-hmm. that, again, this is not. Um, uh, like a criticism of the show, but I was interested, and maybe I just know this person better. Uh, but Kirk uh, Fox, do you know who Kirk Fox is? So he's the tall, uh, skinny guy with the mustache who's in the jury, yep. right? Yeah, yep. the guy loves his and wife. So, no, oh no, the other guy. No, the other guy. The other he guy. used to, he used to, run, he used to run a business that was blah blah blah. He's kind of the yeah, southern dude, that- right? Yeah. yeah, well, he's yeah. So very tall, yeah. very lanky, yeah, yeah, yeah. big mustache. Yeah. So he's a stand-up, okay. and I've done a bunch of stand-up with Kirk. Very funny guy. Um, but he's been in Parks and Rec as like you, you're one of those semi-regular characters that might pop up once a season, but he's kind of you know technically a character in the show every season. And he was the one. And again, I just didn't know if it was because I know him and I recognize him in these shows because I have met him versus like I was like, oh, what if this guy had seen Parks and Rec? Would they have had to like work out that he hadn't seen Parks and Rec or something else that Kurt Fox would have been in? Or would, do you know what I mean? Like that – I because all the other actors I didn't recognize from anything else, but I recognized I mean – I think that it's the the risk is so low. Parks of Rent and Rec hasn't been on. Even if that person recognized him, the chances of him being able because he wasn't a main character in Parks and Rec, was he? Right. You know what I mean? Like right. you could easily Yeah. I get that all the time. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. I've never even true. seen the show. I think there's it's a risk, but I don't think it's a massive risk. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So you imagine you're in that scenario and uh You've seen a bit of evidence, like you know, like the central premise, the big sort of thing, that you you've seen a bit of evidence that seems to contradict the way that the you know the case has gone. Like, are you like him? Do you try to 
you know, find the truth? Do you think, or would you just be like, you know what, I could just pretend I never saw that thing? Uh, yeah, I'd be like a pretender never. Like, whatever makes this the, the least, the lesson, like this is. When will this I, be oh, over? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hope that I'm never on your jury because whatever is the least amount of work for me, I've been like, fine. I'm very trusting of people. And so if an authority yeah. figure said to me, hey, just stick to these facts and don't do your investigation, I'd be like, yep, yeah, okay, I'll do that. I just, I want to get this done and get out of here. I think I'd be more like the James if, Marsden character than anyone. If, if actor James Marsden, you came back to your yeah. hotel room after you'd been running <laughs> lines with the actor James Marsden and he had done an enormous poo in your toilet um, and then hadn't been able to flush I, it, would you take responsibility for that poo on behalf of him? I would, but I'd also fucking mm. tell everyone. I'd tell all the other jurors and I would tell all my friends. I think the guy even says that in the – doesn't yeah. he say that in the last episode that he couldn't wait to tell all his friends that James Marsden had done a massive shit in I mean, his toilet? It's a pretty good story, I, mean, I suppose. You, would, uh, you and I both would have at least two or three celebrity stories that we've heard in confidence. That, it's true. You know. <laughs> yeah, have to do with something like that. Yeah. 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 So I like, mean, one of them I'm willing to tell because like, I can, I can like, blank like, out the name of the one I have to tell. Nah, this one's fine. I can tell this one. Right. Famously, uh, you know, at least for a while, Russell Brand uh, would like pre-gig be quite well known for the fact that he would go and do a massive poo <laughs> and then he wouldn't flush it. Oh, that was like his – Dominance thing? I don't know. Like that it was, was his just brand. His thing. <laughs> that was, <Russell laughs> that was his brand. He'd say that. He'd a giant up doing his floating birthday. shit was there his you go. brand. That's Russell's brand right there. <laughs> shit. You, right for my you know, bum. You know, Russell's got a new special coming out now that he's gone down this uh, rabbit hole of uh, what is going COVID on conspiracies. With him. Guess what his special is called? Uh, uh, I swear I'm not a cult leader. <laughs> So think about what we've just been through and think about it's it's a pun and like it's it's one that I would Scandemic. be proud of. Uh, you're close. A brandemic. So brandemic. <laughs> That's fucking shit, Demic. That's terrible. Brandemic. I mean, it's kind of like one of those – it's like saying flag mantle, you know. It's taking two words that aren't related and the meaning doesn't actually give you a third meaning. It's just like – Two things I that people might recognize. There was a pandemic and he's Russell Brand, brand-demic. so it's a brandemic. But is – I mean, I guess the show's not going to be all about COVID being a lie or whatever his current, current position is. From the clips I've seen of it, it seems to be. Oh, wow. I mean, that's an interesting descent. It's weird, isn't it? Because he – the right Mate, it's just a pivot. It's not a descent. He's got a huge – he's massive. Like he's probably as big as he's ever been. He controls his own world and his own destiny. Like I'm not into it. Like I think it's disappointing because I think he actually is a pretty good thinker and I think that most of the things that he's saying at the moment are dumb. Well, like that's not true. Yes. There's some the, – the reason it works is that, you know, 80% of the time he probably says things that make a whole bunch of sense and then it's just the – extreme stuff that is well, you know. it just it just feels like sometimes though the way we have traditionally perceived the right and left have swapped hats a few times <laughs> so oh, it's yeah, like totally. it's very confusing yeah. to know like those traditional views of left and it's right a big, uh, you know what it's a big market being that, right wing a right wing you know, commentator 
It's a there's oh, yeah. a lot of money in it. Hundred percent. I mean, we've talked about this. We want to start yeah. our YouTube, our science YouTube channel, where we just attack. But it, it just becomes more and more evidence. Like you know, often you look at somebody like a Russell Brand, and you just think, or a Jimmy Dore, or whoever, and you just. I mean, think, Jimmy Dore's the one I don't fucking understand. Like he oh, he descended into do, madness I used to real do quick. Fucking, open mic with Jimmy Dore around LA and I quite like Jimmy Dore. I was like, he was a good guy. Yeah, I thought Dave was and, mates with him as well, but like, yeah, and I was, he just, I was watching his YouTube channel for a bit, like mm-hmm. two or three years ago and being, oh yeah, you know, I mean, he's, you know, pretty hardcore leftist, but then I got to know, like Jimmy got to eat. <laughs> I gotta, right. And Jimmy's eating well, like yeah. Jimmy ate world, like Jimmy, Like, I mean, it's been incredible for him, like really. Like, I mean, and people say, oh, it's a grift. You know, Russell Brand's a grift, Jimmy Dawes a grift. Maybe, but the reason that they're all doing it is because it's a really successful grift. Yeah. Like, I mean, look at fucking Andrew Tate and those sort of people. Like, There's a couple of left-wing commentators I watch and follow and – they will, and they say that you know, yeah. The reason why there's so many right, it's it's much more profitable to do this to to spout right wing propaganda, and you'll get a bigger audience and, and further reach than doing left wing propaganda. And, and it's hilarious that they're constantly t- taking the underdog status, or like you know, we're getting cancelled, you know, we're getting dominated out of existence. It's like, what are you talking about? Yeah, you control rich. everything. You're living in a gold castle where you broadcast ninety five hours a day. The dynamics are so strange around that. It's funny too because I've tried to take in less of it because I forgot there was a period of time where anytime I was like, you know, washing the dishes or whatever, because I've got YouTube premium so I can listen to YouTube like a podcast. So I'd go into like a political commentary kind of YouTube channel and left or right, after a while I'd get exhausted because it feels like the same, I feel like the, the same conversation keeps going around and around and I hear it in like I'm getting yelled at in both my left and right, right side and it's just exhausting. Everyone's talking but nothing is happening. Like yeah. nothing's changing or – But there's so much of about it is point scoring, like commenting on, you know, so the left will comment on the right and make fun of what they've said and blah, 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 and the and the right will do that to the left. And it's just this constant yeah. like – like as if – Pantomime. Some, yeah, as if someone is pantomime. kind of keeping they're, score. Equi- they're, yeah, there's – Different sides of the same dumb battle. It's all. Yeah. But I must admit, like, I, mean, I must admit though, like I love a conservative cell phone tweet, you know, where it's like, oh, look what this dickhead said. You do get a rush of like, I don't know, dopamine or adrenaline, but it's so fleeting. And then it's like, ugh. here's what I will say to you, Charlie. And again, I, 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 I've been trying not to mention this, but I don't know if I've mentioned, but I'm, I'm not on social media anymore. I was unaware <laughs> but, of that. That's a, yeah, that was well, a real shock. Uh, I'm sorry to. This is as big a shock as finding out that this jury is not real. Remember at the start of this podcast when we were having that annual general meeting and you were like, have you seen the really good TOEFOP clips that are on Instagram? And I was like, no, I did not know they existed. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, somebody sent me recently like a screenshot of something that had happened online and it it was of – Prue McSween, do you know, yeah, is that some, her name? Yeah, 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 so she's like your classic Australian old conservative woman who's always spouting off some like, so, you know. She's so dis- un- what, uncompassionate, what's the word? Like discompassionate? Yeah. Like, That's it, yeah. Lacking like she's abs- Lacking in all compassion <laughs> and empathy for other human beings. <laughs> and she, um, I think when Tina Turner died, the, she tweeted, uh, 
you know, the, the about Tina Turner being great and then uh, the, signed it off with R.E.S.P.E.C.T. Uh, you know, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, which is not Aretha Franklin. Uh, Tina Turner. That was Aretha Franklin. <laughs> yeah. And so people found that very amusing that this, you know, idiot had self-owned herself with this dumb tweet. And then everybody fought about it and she said she meant it on purpose. She just meant she respected Tina Turner. It wasn't like cool. about like, <laughs> anyway. Like, it was like <laughs> – I mean, any huge coincidence <laughs> if true. Yeah. yeah. And – but – so this all happened and what I realised is like from like just getting from a little bit leaking out into my world that I absolutely there would have been a time when when I saw that tweet I would have been like, aha, aha, that person I don't like did something dumb and now we can all feed on the energy of mocking that person that we all don't like and there can be this little – and I honestly – the thrill's gone, man. Like the thrill, that fleeting thrill, it is it you don't miss it. It's not worth it. I have not I don't uh I've I haven't done that in a while. I I, I just I, the amount of energy someone um uh, mentioned me in a tweet in which they said horrible things about me. <laughs> and I, I oh, didn't man. I didn't consciously. I've heard nothing it. about me forever. <laughs> it's great. Like good, bad, or indifferent. I'm hearing none of it. But the Idea of responding to it was just like, oh, like, who cares? <laughs> like, I really. Also, what is someone saying a mean thing about you about? What was it about? Uh, I didn't. Uh, I just, I'm, I'm, oh, you don't know. Uh, it, was just, it, about it was just this? a general thing. Yeah, about this show that I'm boring and unfunny <laughs> and they oh. can't stand listening to me. And I'm like, okay, well. Okay, well, don't. Unnecessary. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> but this conversation actually <laughs> dovetails in to. Uh, I don't I mean, I don't, it's an unusual position to take on a podcast where it's only you and I. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, like why are you here in the first place, man? It's like, like, or when Ill Will's yeah. episodes of Faux Fox. I do so many things yeah. with other people. Yeah. It's fine. You don't need to torture yourself, dude. But it does uh, – this conversation tails in perfectly to this um, letter I wanted to bring up because in a similar way of that kind of like rage writing and stuff, so some context. Uh, Podcast Mike was my guest on FOFOP a couple of weeks back. A uh, very uh, interesting episode. Uh, Podcast Mike takes us through his vigilante act when he interfe- intervened mm. in a uh, assault happening at a shopping centre. Yeah. Um, and the discussion around that talk, you know, we were talking about um, when I used to work in the video store and I got held up once. And in the course of telling the story, I mentioned that when I was working at the video store, I had this little scam worked out where People would oh, come yes. in with an overdue fee mm-hmm. and I would take the money for the overdue fee and then I would delete it off the system. So I'd essentially mm-hmm. I'd just pocket the overdue fee they thought they were mm-hmm. paying and never give it to my boss. It's a bit yeah. of a throwaway comment, whatever. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, so I received this email and let's just call them Mrs. X. <laughs> Okay. Mrs. X may be a guy. Mm, okay, sure. Uh, it was faux fop, but you guys are the same crew, yeah? What were you thinking telling about your scam to take cash for fines in a video store? Family member had a store like that. Doomed, of course, with digital tech. You joked about stealing. No remorse. Did you pay it back? Did you donate the equivalent to charity plus interest? 
Have you calculated what money would that money would be worth now? I have lost faith in you. Does Will condone this? I'm disgusted. What an example. That was it. <laughs> so I read this and I was like, oh, I mean, yeah. And I and my, and my, you know, my, my, the, my, my blood boiled a bit. It's like, oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. And I was about to kind of respond. And then I was like, actually, you know what? I'm going to take the criticism on board. I'm going to have a think about it. So I did. I actually right. took some time to actually think. And I was like, you know what? It actually was a shitty thing to do. Um, you know, and I haven't really thought about it because it was almost like fucking 30 years ago. Uh, but I decided to write a letter back to Mrs. X to explain what had happened. But I thought I would, seeing as you have been dragged into this because she wanted uh, to know if you condoned it. Do I, know, do I condone it? So what I thought I'd do is I will just read yeah. the letter. We can go through it line by line and you can edit yeah. with me. If you think that maybe I've, I'm going too far or whatever, we can pull it back. We can make it a, a, a to TOEFOP United response to this a very valid criticism. Yes. Okay, well, firstly, here's what I would say just as a general principle. I have a standard policy of not judging, like, other people that I – like, I don't – like, I sometimes, like, people I'm – like, grew – this is quite a serious start. We'll get to the fun. It's fine. But, like, on Gruen, people will be like, oh, Todd did this thing. What do you have to say about that? Or, like, Dave Hughes said this. Or what do you have to say about – like what I I don't have anything to say about any of those things. That's their own business, and they can be accountable for themselves. Like, like I don't ask you to take responsibility for the dumb shit I say. Like I don't run my stand up show by Charlie to make sure that he condones what I'm going to well, get out sit on the there, road. Like, arms folded, tisk tisk tisk. Right. So, just as a general principle, like it should not matter one way or the other whether I condone or don't condone. But for the point of this exercise, that this is a response from TOEFOP back to Mrs. X, then I yeah, happy to be on board, happy to lend my my ear and my my collaboration. Yes. And so I'll just say from the outset, this is not like a bit. I'm trying to be as sincere as possible in this. There's a bit of light humor and stuff because I, you know, I don't want it to be too serious. But no, it's both. It's like, earnest. Yeah. This is my yeah. this is my most contemplative, earnest response. Mm. Like, I because I have a lot of thoughts about this, but I'm going to save them for the okay, like for during the letter. Okay. Uh, hi, Mrs. X. Mm. I understand what you're saying, and you're right. Stealing is bad. I should let you know. My memory of that time is rather hazy. It was almost 25 years ago, and to be honest, I don't actually remember how much I stole. It might have been $50, it might have been $150, but I doubt it was any more than the latter. If it makes you feel any better, my petty embezzlement didn't lead to the collapse of this business. They kept the doors open well into the late 2000s, and I believe the owner sold it and two other stores he owned to a larger chain at some point. Okay, that's the first paragraph. What do you think? Yeah, I, I mean... Okay, so I, all the points you're making I, I like. I, I'm just trying to get into the mind of Mrs. X in this moment about whether it's too defensive too early. There okay. hasn't been enough of a sort of – Like I know that you admit at the start that, you know, stealing is – like like maybe there just needs to be just a, something a little bit more, you know, contrite okay. before you this? get to the justification. Okay, because, so we can move these like, paragraphs. Because with Mrs. X, yeah. Mrs. X's family was destroyed by, you know, I would suggest – mostly by the industry changing completely, not by a few people in late fees. But I understand the whole point that when your business is going down and you feel terrible about this idea, 
any money that went out of the business would seem like, you know, like a, a much bigger thing. So, okay. yeah, like we can understand there's personal pain attached to the complaint that has been made and you're being empathetic to the fact that that is personal pain. So I think that it's good to express that at some point that yeah. you are empathetic. You know, okay. Like, yeah. Well, I think this next paragraph will cover that and then we can okay. move this. We can. I agree. We can put this because yeah. this is a much softer one or well, much more just not I think I think before we get to the justification, which I think is – like quite good justification, you know, the fact that the business thrived and whatever. But you don't want to go with that too early yeah. because it's almost a bit like rubbing in the face of like, you know, hey, <laughs> your well, your, your relative <laughs> did not know what they were doing. Uh, the guy I work for uh, sold in the business, made a profit. Okay. So this next yeah. paragraph goes, yes, it was a shitty thing to do. My retelling of the story is an endorsement of what I did. It's actually the opposite. I was a stupid young dickhead making stupid young dickhead decisions. If it came across as bragging, then that's my fault. I do feel some remorse now, but at the time it felt justified. I was paid a barely minimum wage. I got no penalty rates for public holidays except Christmas, and my boss seemed indifferent to my well-being in the aftermath of being robbed. So, in a very cringy 90s Gen X kind of way, I felt like I was sticking it to the man. I'd like to think I've grown since then and become a less less self-centered individual. Uh, so I like this. I think this is good stuff. So like, do you think I should put that before yeah. the stuff about the, the the thing didn't close? Yeah, I yeah. do. Yeah. I think that's just a yeah, a bit at the end. But I do think that I think context is really important here, right? Because it's one of those things where like my like the idea that you are a young kid, this isn't you as like a, you know, like podcast a middle-aged royalty. father, right? <laughs> yeah, going, one of the godfathers of Australian great. podcasting. Um, I do think that you were badly treated around the robbery. Like there's no doubt about that. The idea that as a uh, young person that you might be traumatized by that, that you might be suffering some sort of uh, PT. SD or you know, like even in a mild way was clearly not being, you know, recompensed or taken care of or you weren't being supported in a way that – so if we are going to judge Charlie as back then through a modern prism of things being right or wrong, we've also got to judge the boss back then by a modern prism of what is right or wrong. Yeah. And you clearly weren't supported with your mental health or in a way – there was no counselling offered or anything like that, was there? He dissuaded me from it because it might cost yeah. him a bit. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> I so think the way guess, he said it is you don't. So guess you don't, what? You, you know you're, you need you're Robin Hood, you? mate. <laughs> like, you know what? If we if we hadn't been to say, telling the truth here, I would have said that you actually spent the money on the counselling. <laughs> That's what I would have said oh, yeah, for the it. PTSD <laughs> that I got. But we can't – yeah, let's keep – we'll stick to the truth. But – yeah, this is, I mean, this is a petty crime in an environment where you were being exploited in the first place. Like, even if it isn't entirely justified, I can absolutely understand how young Charlie would have justified it to himself as being something yeah, that was not, an okay it's thing It's not to quite do. stealing a loaf of bread to feed my no. family and then getting, you know, exiled to Australia or anything like that. It was entirely selfish. But it was kind of, I think there's an age... I mean, it feels like, you know, that kind of, uh, you know, that university age where you're doing retail jobs and shit, most of my friends who worked in retail would steal a Mars bar, you know, from work or, you know, like it just, you just kind of do that when you're a kid because you're a young entitled punk. Like that's just kind of, 
the way the world works. In fact, I'd be interested to know. And for, for a lot of businesses back in the day, it kind of was the way it worked. Like you got paid shitty, but you were allowed to like, you know. Steal. <laughs> well, that, was the, that was in the constitution, <laughs> I believe. But you were allowed to like eat a box of chicken on the way home or whatever it was, you know. Like yeah. I think, but I, again, it, it was a very different time and you were a kid. And unless you was, and also, by the way, like it's not a crime that anybody can, like the idea that you're sending a bad message, right? Like this is one of the complaints of this. And again, we shouldn't be writing this. I think it's good to approach, you know, Mrs. X with like the spirit of, you know, reflection and contrition and like, you know, I think no need for us to have a big blow up and a fight, you know, about something like this. Like it's contextual. But the idea that, I mean, you're just, no one can copy it. Like the yeah, like this video yeah. stores don't exist anymore. Yeah. Like the idea that you can Statue charge late limitations. Fees, you can't. <laughs> but I mean, this scam is you can't replicate it. So the idea that you're telling people about it, it's not a bad example because no one can follow the example because literally the crime you committed no longer <laughs> exists. Like I mean, exists. Right? I haven't gone back and listened to the conversation that she's referencing, but I can't imagine like that. I was hey. Mm. Guys, you, you want to make some extra scratch? Right. Like, here's a great way. Like, yeah, it wasn't like that, a scam. It wasn't a scheme. I, I would, I assume, because we also it was in a, a wider discussion about con artists and how a con artist came in and ripped yeah. me off and stuff. Which you know is a further example of how if I did jury duty for real, I wouldn't question anything. Like, I've been conned several times. <laughs> like, I'm very open to it, very gullible. Um, but I don't think there was any way I was celebrating it. Like I, I do think that happens sometimes, rarely in podcasts because generally we're long-form conversation, but out of context, it sounds fucking awful, you know? Oh, yeah, like I, you know, this guy was stealing from his employer, if that's the kind of thumbnail. But the wider context of what we were discussing, you know, I think I, sh- I think should make it seem less egregious because there's other mitigating well, factors. But I also think there's got to be a way of – having a discussion around, like a realistic discussion so we can be human beings around how we actually are, right? So there are so many things that I did when I was young that I would absolutely not do today, like, you know, like that were dumb. They were dumb things. Like I made dumb decisions. Like I was reckless. Like, you know, I put myself in dangerous situations. Like I just didn't think things through constantly, like when I was young. Um, but I also don't necessarily regret those things. You know, they were part of, you know, being alive and being human and being young and, you know, taking those risks and having those experiences and like, you know, committing a petty crime and deciding you're not the sort of person who wants to continue to commit petty crime. Like it feels like sometimes you've got to do the things to make sure that you're not the person who, everyone, you know. Everyone like, fucks up at some point. Like at some point. But it's, at it's, all points, yeah. like forever. Like That's the idea I mean. that – and, you know, the idea that if we deny these parts of our journey – like I can sort of celebrate that young Charlie at the same time as you going, yeah, but I wouldn't do that now and I can also now see it from the business owner's perspective. Like, but you were, you were young. Yeah. It's interesting though. I've got to be honest with you, Charlie. I think I do condone it. <laughs> I don't condone it now, but I condone young Charlie and the class war struggle that he was involved in at the time. Well, I just think it. You, that thing about it being the – 
It is. You're the, taking it to the man. It was a. It was a class. It was a political <laughs> protest. It no, was I just Occupy I, Wall Street. I, I just. I think about like being a father, mm. even being a like a pet owner before I owner with Junior. Like Junior wasn't like the best behaved dog, mm. you know, but he had personality, yeah. and I actually. I think that I appreciated him for his imperfections. You know, I, I I like that about him. I like people for, I love you know when you hear listen to a podcast or a comedian talk and they're really honest about something. You know, they really open themselves up and say, yeah, this is the person I'm, I am. This is what I'm into. Mm. I know it's kind of fucked, but you know, it, yeah. it's endearing. I'm a, I'm a father now who like cares for his daughter and hear all these stories about that and the life that I have. But also at one stage in my life, I was also thief. this <laughs> dumb kid doing dumb things, right? But also I would love to know if late – like I always suspected that late fees felt like they had at least an element of scam about them, right? 100%. There was no like, rhyme like, or reason why. I understand the idea that if you can't hire out that video that night, that is like losing money from the business. But I bet – if you tallied it all up, they made a lot more money out of people overdue video fees than they would have actually had in those videos on the shelf. Here's what I'll out. say about overdue fees. That it wasn't like a huge money spinner for video stores. No. It's more just a kind of fail-safe to get new releases returned promptly. So it wasn't that – like my video store, like as long as you got it in before 10 p.m., like you wouldn't get charged. And often I would have people like I've locked the doors and they'd be post poking it through the thing saying, Dad, don't find me. It's just, it's 10.01. And I'd be like, fuck you. It's fine, Come on, man. man. Like when the door's closed, you're getting a fine. I'm not, I'm not bailing you out of this one. But it's, but it was, uh, it was also arbitrary because why else would you give a fucking 19-year-old the power to completely erase someone's debt or not? Like if it was a, if it was a, if it was a bigger thing, like often, most often what would happen is someone would come in that'd have say $27 in late fees owing from a year's worth of like late returns, or whatever. And I would say, hey, Mr. Anderson, you've got $27 owing. Would you like to pay it now? We'll, we can make it $10. And you'd be like, okay. Yes. And so you'd wipe. Every time that would happen. Yeah. So it's already a sliding scale. Yeah, there's that no. You can just decide on yeah. what amount it is. <laughs> yeah, like, right. It doesn't like, and, and the only, the only, I guess. The only real pre like because it seems opportunistic because you're not always getting people coming with late fees, but there was kind of one premeditated element, which is I guess if you were going to try me <laughs> in a court of law to bring it full circle, is that I then had to go into the system and erase the exceptions log listing. So an exceptions log oh. listing is anytime there's an unusual oh, transaction. I didn't realize there was like <laughs> hacking. computer hacking involved in this game. <laughs> I'm back with Mrs. Um, X again. Sorry, Snowden. I flip-flopped. Charlie <laughs> I found some compelling evidence. Free Charlie Assange. Can we get Alex Williams You were getting bad going fucking undercover <laughs> Julian Assange. <laughs> All right. Uh, so back to the apology uh, letter. So then yeah. after I said the stuff about the business, yeah. I know it was fine. I say, look, I am sorry to hear about your family member too. That sucks. And it makes sense that you'd empathize with the other side of my story. I haven't calculated what the money I stole would be worth now. But I, have I think it. we should be moving the f the family member that that line is yeah. great, but it should be much higher. Somewhere. Okay, let's put that. I up. think we've got to lead lead with like empathy. the empathy. I think the empathy is great. It's just like let's not bury it. Let's okay. Put I'll it, put up it the in the yeah, sec second yeah. line. So, 
I'm sorry. Um, I understand what you're saying. You're right. Stealing's bad. I'm sorry about your family member too. That sucks. It makes sense to empathize with this other story more. Yeah, that's good. That's yeah. like you you being contrite about the fact that, of course, you recognize today and you also recognize the hurt that led to the letter. It's a personal connection before you get to the kind of broader, you know, like telling of the rest the of The justifications. It. Yeah. Or explanations more than justifications, I guess. Yeah. Um, I haven't calculated what the money I stole would be worth now, but I have donated to and worked with several charities over the years. In fact, the same podcast crew who you listened to raised $100,000 for bushfire victims a couple of years ago. I know it didn't benefit the ex-video store owner retirement fund directly, but I'm hoping it squares the cosmic ledger somewhat. Oh, yeah. Okay. As a joke. It's a setup yeah. for a joke. Yeah. No, I mean, it, like, but it is uh, – there is a – there's a truth to it, right? Which is, you hope that the the you know that those things are used for good, and there is demonstrated times when they have been. So, um, well, yeah, like yeah. I mean, it's definitely I, well, a little. I, but I it's a little. A of- it's a little sizzle at the end. Don't get yeah. me wrong. It's like, yeah, and don't forget when we raised a hundred <laughs> fucking grand for charity. So, well, I only bring it up because she was very. Sp- <laughs> yeah very specific about have you donated to charity yeah. and it's like well yeah i have yeah. and i've worked for free have on will continue to will continue to and like if you want a dollar amount yeah. then i doubt I, any in no yeah. amount of inflation of what i stole was going to reach a hundred thousand dollars so and who knows like if it turns out that my owner my old boss had a house in the country and it was devastated by bushfire then maybe he did get paid back I mean, I don't know. Like, it could have happened. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know what? Like, it's I, well done. Good okay. letter. Thank I'm you. happy. All right. So the last line is: I have no idea if Will condones my actions or not. We don't have the kind of friendship where we need each other's approval. But I will oh, ask him about him. See, <laughs> I didn't have to say the thing up the top. It was right there at the end. <laughs> but I will ask about him on the show. So if you're still listening when this episode comes out, you'll get your answer. All the best, Charlie Clawson, outlaw. Oh, uh, yeah, that's fun. That's, you think that's yeah, okay? That's fun. That's, that's nice. Spending. I like the okay. little outlaw at the end is like a wink to say that you're still okay. Yeah, you're okay. Should I say we yeah. cool? We cool? That no, that's too off? much. Okay. Just say... <laughs> All the best. Leave it at all the best. Yeah. Not we cool. Or if you want to, or I can say all the best, or fuck around and find out. Yeah. Or (laughs) fuck off, it's a free podcast. (laughs) All right. I'm hitting send. Okay. Let's get to the regular mailbag because we've had a lot of people get in touch with this, which is great. If you want to do that, you can go to tofop.com. There's a little contact form you can fill out. And while you're there, you can check out some of our other great podcasts. We have one called Two Guys, or One Cup, which is an AFL-adjacent podcast, a lot like this one, but focused around the footy. And it's um, um, it's been a really fun season so far. Our teams it are has. both kind yeah, of fine. faltering. <laughs> like They're both doing okay. fine. They're fine. Both our teams are fine. Yeah. I mean, I'm sort of like – It's already- actually – I think the show is better when our teams are not the most interesting teams because I think we find it – Harder to be funny about our own. Yeah, teams. we're too, too Whereas, emotionally invested. Right? Whereas, like, the rest of it, when we're just talking about the rest of it and kind of trying to ignore the fact that our team's play in the competition, <laughs> it's actually a pretty good show. 
Uh, you can also check out Willosophy, which is back. Uh-huh. Uh, Will is chatting to some uh, well-known comedians. Um, uh, this is coming out in two weeks. Do you know? Can we line that up? Uh, Fortune Famester would have right. been on the show. People might know Fortune uh, from being like oh, her Netflix specials. She's very funny, but also she's in the new Arnold Schwarzenegger Netflix series, Fubar. Uh, so uh, people can check that episode out. But there's a whole bunch of great Australian comedians on as well. Cam James who's done Fofop and a whole bunch of others as well. And I am doing a uh, podcast that is here on this feed called Two Guys, One Urn. It is basically a podcast about the World Test Championship and the Ashes tests that are happening in England. And it was with just a bunch of co-hosts of people who – also like talking about cricket, so we're just having a fun talk about cricket. If you're a person who has any interest in the cricket that's going on at the moment, it might be a good place to, um, you know, have a listen, dip your toe in. But also, Charlie and I were talking about before this started because Charlie has no real interest in cricket. When did you stop? When Australia got like, good? Yeah, is that what he says? The mid nineties. Yeah, mid nineties. <laughs> you're like, I don't like us to see us win. Yeah. So <laughs> I like I like teams that lose. <laughs> that's my thing. So, Charlie, I, it would be fun. I, I was proposing to Charlie that I would love him to do an episode as well. Where I he just got down on one knee he, as he's proposing to me. <laughs> and I said, how's that? <laughs> and I said, not out. <laughs> not out. Uh, well, in this, uh, while we're talking about two guys, I've got a bit of yeah. instant listener feedback. Okay. Love, Will. This is from Joel. He says, thanks to the new cricket pod. I fucking loved it. And I'll be listening all winter slash summer long. I don't have many friends who share my love of watching every ball of an all-night test from England, <clears throat> other than my dad, also a farmer, who'll be asleep by nine and only up to see the last session finish at 4am over breakfast. So your cricket conversations with old mates will be mine vicariously. Thank you for rekindling that 2005 anticipation. You need to explain mm-hmm. that to me. No, it's an ashes. That's the 2005 ashes. Is it like a code for weed or something? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, gonna, you're going to hit that, uh, that 2005? <laughs> That's a, a Cypress Hill song, right, isn't it? 2005 ashes. Watch the balls get bashes. <laughs> Uh, neither a rapper nor a cricket fan. Um, I can't wait for it to get started and to hear you meander through the fallout with excesses of excitement, armchair opinions, and hilarity. There you go. That should be your tagline. Well, here's what I will also say. We, we, we are recording this, obviously, a little bit in advance of when it will come out. And so the night we're, we're recording this at night. It is currently 9.40 at night. And uh, it is late for us. And I have been watching the first session of Australia versus India in the World Test Championship. Yeah, I was thinking about that. So if you're watching this on Patreon, in the background yeah. over Will's You'll left shoulder, see. you would have some uh, definitely uh, not approved vision coming from Channel 9. I mean, there is like the door handle is in the middle of the screen, so yeah. I think that's okay, right? My head's We're in front safe. of it most of the time. The podcast has been going pretty well, but when – when Dave Warner got out just before lunch, I really got distracted for a minute and you were like talking <laughs> about something. To bring you back. <laughs> I was like, what's going on? <laughs> Break out the teapot and bring on a green winter in Chile, Melbourne. Thanks again. Hi, well, thank you, Joel. Um, tell all your friends. You're not meant to say subscribe or whatever. Apparently, this is uh, um, Mike the Third has been drumming into me that we should all, always tell people to follow. That is the... Subscribe is an old school term. That's what old men, old people say. We are old though. I know. Follow. Follow the show. Go to to the show. show. Um, Do you remember we had a discussion around medical journals a couple of weeks back? 
what happens? Do you like, are they online now or do people get hard copies? This is from Mike. Hey boys, you asked a question of how do we get medical journals on an episode about becoming a science promoting YouTuber. These days, journals are accessed mostly online through subscriptions, usually bulk university or institute subscriptions. Or, of course, there are websites to access them all for free, but that wouldn't be legal. <coughs> Go to SciHub, <coughs> the Napster and Pirate Bay of Science Journals. So oh. there is a, even in the the noble medical profession, yes. there's a fucking like black market site for, I love the idea of that. That's like a, a sleazy online den where... Doctors go to get like the you know the banned journals. I mean, I like the yeah, like, I like the idea of the medical dark web. Yeah, like where you're like, you want to know how you really do this operation? Oh, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> we'll show you how to do a, a heart surgery without a scalpel. <laughs> you guys still cutting open your patients? You idiots! We got the real. We got the real juice. Uh, physical copies of journals still get sent out to university libraries or if you subscribe, but I assume that would be rare to personally subscribe as they're very expensive. Sometimes editors will get free subscriptions or authors will get physical copies sent out for specific editions, especially if you author a cover story and have your artwork or image on the cover. Scientist offices can be quite geeky shrines to their own work with journals on the wall. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that from actual... Doctors, but in movies, doctors seem to have, like, if, if you want to do a bit of exposition without the characters using dialogue, you just, like, pan across the wall and it's like, medical science men of the year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you must be smart. <laughs> uh, I will say this. Uh, do you think that they would be selling more journals if they told them to follow rather than subscribe? Yeah, and if there was a centerfold. Centerfold of like medical instruments. <laughs> Ooh, take a look at that stethoscope. I'd like to stick that in my ears. Ooh. Scream. <laughs> I mean, it's quite erotic when you think about the blood pressure ball and listening to someone's heartbeat. It's all quite intimate. More commonly seen in physical form are the science magazines for the general public translated by science communicators into less jargony language. Yeah. And they are often given out as part of outreach programs or subscriptions. I, I, like, I would love to be smart enough to, I, I read a lot of books on science and watch a lot of YouTube, but I, I'd never understand it. Like I want to, I feel like if I, the more I read, I'll get better at it, but it, it still doesn't work. So now what I've done is I've resorted to using science YouTube videos, <laughs> like oh, yeah. sleep stories. So I'll mm. find like the most complicated, you know, lecture on quantum physics and I'll just put it on and go to sleep. And it's like, okay. And hope well, that I, it, like, I, I tried hope that it and just stuff. soaks in. <laughs> Yes. I tried the book learning. It didn't work. So I'm hoping it'll just absorb into my brain while I sleep. Uh, now, Mike oh, um, pivots here, Will, and you're going to get okay. a bit of your own um, uh, negative feedback. Oh, no. Minor negative feedback, but it's still one minor peeve. In among your glorious great work is the introducing of a guest. Well, you know who the guest is from the name of the episode. That's something you do. I don't do that. You do that on your episodes of Fofop. I think you even did it in the Howie episode. Well, people know who you are. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, sure. Yes. For me at least, most of the time I am listening to a string of subscribe podcasts and headphones with my phone in my pocket, and I never see the title or the art associated with the podcast until later on. So I'm not sure if I'm unusual in this situation, but most of the time I've got no idea what show is coming up as they all autoplay as I go about my day. And the vast majority of the time I haven't seen the title of the episode. I'm sorry to be picky. It just irks me every time I hear it. Anyway, keep up the great work 
and great to have uh, TOFOP and FOFOP finally merged in the one feed. Um, so should we write an apology? <laughs> Mike, <laughs> yeah. you, you got time to draft a second yeah. letter? Dear Mike, <laughs> um, do you think Mike is unusual? That's like, I mean, it had never occurred to me that like anybody would, listen to- would know like what podcast, that it would just autoplay. That, that seems incredible to me that like, yeah, I, that's not how I. That's not my listening habits. No, I will. No. I will look at. An uh, that's episode. just the first time I've heard of that. Like, and I, and I would and love I to really hear from other people if back to back either these days. I will sometimes listen to two back to back of the same podcast. Like you know, so one yeah, might run on, but if it's one finishes pop, and it runs, it would yeah. be two different people. I know, but like, but if he's listening to other, like, it sounds like Mike is listening to, like, say he's listening to Do Go On, and then that just rolls into. Or is he? Or is he saying that he's listening to Fofop and I didn't give the? I think that's the yeah. yeah because I so it's just, not different podcasts he's talking about. He's talking about just different ones. I don't think it does auto. Oh, maybe it, if you. I guess if you listen, it depends where you're listening from. If you're mm. listening to your recently released, then it will mm. skip from pod to pod. It'll do it like chronologically and what's been downloaded. But if you're in the library, you're listening to sequential episodes of the show. Interesting. So, all right, here's what I would say is I think that the probably the majority of people, I'm guessing, have looked at the description and know who's on the podcast before they start listening to it, particularly on the ones where we really often pe- feature them in the art and all those sort of things as well. So I think it would be rare to be this situation. I, the reason I say the thing is an acknowledgement of the fact that it's dumb for me to be introducing somebody on a thing that most of the time people already know who it is. But also, it's, I, I just say things. Like this is the most <laughs> important thing to remember is that I just say things and often like I don't know what they mean yeah. or I don't overthink When James Fosdark sends us the them. artwork for yeah. Tofop, like um, a lot of the time, I am like, "What is yeah. that reference?" <laughs> Please, I'm not. That. I'm not thinking any of these things through. I'm just yeah. talking, and sometimes the words come up in the right order, but like often they do not, and often what I say makes no sense. Like, like that whole philosophy opening, which is like you know, "Welcome to philosophy." I'm Will Anderson from the title of the podcast. That's literally just because, like, when I originally had the podcast up, it was called Philosophy. And then it got like I stopped doing it for a while, and it got I couldn't log back into the channel, so I had to change the name of the podcast <laughs> to Philosophy with Will Anderson. Like, there's no, I didn't come up with it on purpose, and then I said that to apologise <laughs> to people, and I then it became that. the catchphrase of the show. I just say dumb shit. Uh, he finishes up by saying, "Is there any chance of Will stand up shows making it to Cairns?" Oh. Um, I'd like to. I'm going to Townsville. I know that's not helpful to anyone in Cairns, but if you're in Townsville, I've got shows in Townsville coming up. Uh, and I'm also in uh, Wyong and Glenelg and uh, I don't know, some other places, comedy.com.au. I've still got a few shows and they're in a bunch of random places. It was such a shame to lose the show from the pandemic and it would be great for the show or even better for TOFOP. To make its way up north. Well, <clears throat> can't say anything yet, but we will say something about it's related to that in the future. Mm. I'll say. Not really related directly to going to Cairns. N- not to related. Shows, to, please, to don't, Mike, just, please don't. 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 Please don't
Although, if you can fucking, you I know, mean, yeah. Anyway, yeah. we can't say we can't say anything yet, but there may be an announcement. Uh, we have had a few podcasts come through, really, and hope to see. I mean, I don't know why I sound surprised, but it's just like, <laughs> what, what podcasts are going to Cairns? Uh, and hope to see more make the check up north. I mean, honestly, what podcasts are going to Cairns? Like, I mean, I'd be worried about the idea Darling that we Shine wouldn't have, or something. What's we wouldn't have enough there? people. The Batuta Advocate might do fine in Cairns, yeah. but like, I don't know if we would have enough people to fill the venue in Cairns. Uh, Mike signs off. I'm the human parasitic worm medical researcher, which makes me medical practitioner adjacent. Well, that's yep. that's medical professional. Uh, yep. well All right, that's that nice. is Tofop for this week. Do you got anything to plug? Uh, before we uh, go, you know, well, logical still on ABC iView. My book's still out. I am not fine, thanks. Um, there's some, yeah, dates left on my tour. But uh, by the time people are listening to this, the thing that I will be uh, slap bang in the middle of is Gruen, uh, which is my show on the ABC. You can find that on ABC iView. And uh, yeah, excited to be back doing Gruen. So, oh, I was on the weekly with Charlie Pickering a couple of weeks ago. That's on ABC okay, iView okay. as well, if you want to check that out. All right, that is Tofu Up for this week. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson.